visit from the Magi, we discover the power and the beauty of the birth of Jesus. Join us as we journey to discover the depth of Christmas. Well, good day to you. Um, I'm Joel. Um, you can sit down. You're all waiting. I could tell. Should we have a week? Maybe we should do this. Um, just have a week where you all stand for the preaching. I stand the whole time. Um, it is good to be with you. I'm Joel, one of the pastors. And it's just fun because uh, this December we're walking through, yes, the birth of the Messiah, but we're doing it in the context of the gospel of Matthew rather than Luke. And the majority of people, and I've done it numerous times, Luke gives probably in some ways the most extensive version of the birth of Jesus Christ. But what we have in Matthew is a different view, a different look. And we're going from a royal genealogy, a royal announcement, a royal naming to a royal visit uh, to really examine the power of the birth of Jesus Christ. And uh, so that's what we get to do today. Matthew is a guy, if you weren't here last week, I'll give you a quick uh, summary. Matthew was a Jewish man who was an agent of Rome because he was a tax collector. By being a tax collector, in many ways, he was disgusted by other Jewish individuals because they saw him as a thief and as a traitor. And so here's Matthew writing primarily to a Jewish community. And in writing primarily to a Jewish community, um, he recognized that he was, he was really writing to people who based where they were with God on what they did in terms of practice. Like they got, we're going to do everything the right way. This is how we're going to function. This is how we're going to work. And if you don't do things the way we do things, right? You know that person, we'll speak about it here at the church. You got that person who they say that they did the right thing, but they were just a jerk as they did it, right? You know that, you know that person. Who's married? To, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but I did the right thing, but they were a jerk, and I'm not saying that the religious leaders were jerks by any means. I'm really not. But they, they were the person, they were the people who just, they wanted to make sure that they did every single thing a certain way. And so we know that even in the, in the Old Testament, what they did, is they, they added over 600 laws to, in order to keep the law. And so he's writing to them. He gives us an extensive, what he begins with Matthew chapter one last week was he begins with an extensive genealogy. That genealogy, the primary, it's not the only thing you need to know, but the primary uh, affiliation with the genealogy of Jesus is you have to know the lineage of Abraham and, there you go, David. Abraham and, that's the primary. Okay, so if you look at the key people and the players here, Abraham David. And so it shows that extensive uh, tie to them, and which is very, very important. It then winds up and finishes with Joseph and Mary. Everybody say Joseph and Mary. The lineage that people know that Jesus is legit in terms of fulfilling all prophecy. That gives you the basis. And then we're going to come to this week. I'm excited because Matthew 1, 18 through 20 Three verses, guys. We can do this. Three verses. Let me begin with this, though. How many of you have ever received news that it was really good news, but along with that really good news came hardship? So I remember um, when we decided that God was wanting us to leave the ministry I was serving and to come to Chapel Point. And this was a decade ago. And, and I remember sitting down with our kids and like, hey, and, and you're trying to you're trying to spin everything. When you have kids, everything's positive. 
And, and so you're like, hey, we just want to let you know, we think God's calling us. Um, they're like, cool, what's he saying? And like, well, I think he's calling us to move to Michigan. And they're like, what language do they speak? <laughs> like they didn't, they're like, where's that? Is that Antarctica? Um, and uh, so we tell them they were a lot younger, of course. And I think at that time, like two to nine, four kids, something like that. And they're like, okay, I'm sure. And we were excited to come, but at the same time, um, we knew that we were going to have to buy just an, an entirely new wardrobe of North Face and Patagonia. Um, and all these other things came into play. And so it was great news in a way. We're like, okay, I think God is wanting us to do this. Let's go do this. It's exciting to be obedient to the will of God, but that will of God brought difficulty in some regards. It's like, okay, you're somewhat close to family, hour and a half. Now it's just another six or seven hours, big deal. Um, and all these different things, that was the closest we've ever lived to family with kids. And we're like, oh, this is fantastic. And yet then it goes away. And then you can even get maybe a promotion. Like, honey, I got the promo my dream job. I got my dream job. This is fan. This is going to be so great, but we have to move. And so you get this news that you're wanting, but yet it brings hardship. And I'll tell you the biggest area of life that I see people um, have this happen is this. How many of you, if you've had kids, raise your hand. I kids, isn't having kids wonderful? But what? I heard somebody go, yeah. It is. It's absolutely fantastic. But here's what they don't tell you is that they will suck the life out of you. <laughs> Amen. It's wonderful. Let's have another kid. Like, I mean, I already don't have any life anyway, so I might as well do that. Like, I, did the, I did the big mistake. I calculated how much money we spent on diapers. Don't do that. $10,000. And they're not in diapers anymore. Somebody's like, are they still in diapers? I'm like, they're in college, in high school. No, but I, a lot of money. They're gonna, and, and then what they don't tell you is you don't understand concern until it's with your child. When, uh, you know, one of our kids, they have that kid and then right away they take it to the NICU. They don't even let us touch the kid. They're like, this isn't good. And they take it away for a week. And, and you're going like, that's a different concern or an, another baby that's a month old and, they can't figure out what's wrong. They're like, this is not good. How does the little baby have 105 fever and we can't get it to die, come down? That's a different concern, right? You know what I'm talking about. You're always like, just give it to me. Like, just give it to me. That's, that's what it is with kids. It's like, oh, it's such good news. It's so wonderful and so great. Hear me say that. But there are, some, there are hardships that come with having kids. Did I mention they'll suck the life out of you? And you're like, can I just get a night of sleep? I tell people, by the time they go to college, you'll be fine. Because it's hard. Well, that's what's happening with the birth of Jesus. Like we, I think one of the problems that some people have with the story of Jesus Christ, Messiah coming, is that I think we've made it so grandiose, and it is incredible. But there are a lot of difficult, there are worldly difficulties that came with kingdom news. And some of us struggle with the kingdom news because of the worldly difficulties. And what we need to understand is sometimes difficulty of the world comes with the kingdom news. 
Because that's exactly what happened here in this passage. And sometimes we can have information coming to our life, like, hey, new job, or hey, you're moving, or hey, but it comes with difficulty as well. Hey, you're having a baby, but they're going to do this, and it's going to be hard. And so there's this announcement to Joseph of a virgin birth of Christ who would bring unexpected change. And so what you're going to be forced to examine today is how do you respond when God changes your circumstances beyond your control? And so we do that in Matthew chapter 1, 18 through 20. Will you please stand for the reading of the word of God? When I stop reading, you say the next word. We know how that goes. Um, I typically, and I will be looking at the ESV today, but this is NLT because I appreciate how the two of these work together. Um, I'll go ahead and tell you now, ESV, why do we use ESV? I think in terms of what is today, it's the most accurate way to look at the true word of God in a way that you can still somewhat comprehend. Um, and, um, so that's why we look at the ESV, um, but the NLT I love as well. And this is what it says. This is how Jesus, the Messiah was born. His mother was engaged to be married to, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was was a righteous man, did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be to take Mary as your wife for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. This is the word of God. You may be seated. So here's how it begins. It begins with excitement. Why? Because it's nothing about Mary having a baby. It tells us this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. Engaged or betrothed it would be another word. I'll get into the significance of what it means to be betrothed here in a moment. But this is exciting. Anybody remember the day you got engaged? It's like eight of you. Like that... Um, I would like to tell all of you, get better. I remember the day I got engaged. It was about 25 years ago. Um, I always like to tell my wife, it was like a quarter century ago. She's like, stop saying that. Um, I got engaged to her. I took her to the church where I was serving at the time, had the big altar and the stained glass windows. And I was like, you know what? And I wrote it all out because I don't think anybody remembers what the guy says. So I wrote it all out to give it to her. And I, that's a good um, that was my last win. <laughs> um, and so I wrote it all out. And, but the problem is I was so nervous. I, for, for some, I worked there, okay? And I forgot the code to the alarm, so the cops came. And it was like, I'm, I'm, when you marry me, you marry a dumpster fire. And you never know what's going to happen. And so that's what took. But I remember that day so well. It's exciting. I couldn't believe, like, my friends were taking bets. Will she t- say yes? Like, right? Like, and she said yes, and this was so cool. This was amazing. Afterwards, we went to Taco Bell, and that's all I could afford. I was a youth pastor. And so all of these awesome things are taking place, and now this is the excitement that's here. Joseph and Mary got engaged. That's how this began. This is so cool. They're betrothed. Now, let me tell you about what it is to be betrothed. This is vital for you to understand the significance of this message. The Torah considers betrothal legally binding as marriage. 
That's important. So I tell people, if you're, if you're not married yet, um, I should get you all to stand up, and I'm not going to do that. But um, can I invite you, get counseling before you ever get engaged. Because when somebody gets a ring on their finger, they're less open-minded, and they stop having the real conversation because they assume it's, a real, it's already a done deal. The Torah considered betrothal, once again, legally binding. So to even break a betrothal, to break an engagement was incredibly significant. And a betrothed girl remained in the father's home during the 12 months prior to that marriage. And in, a, in, in Galilee, in a Galilean betrothal, um, the, her fiance couldn't be alone with her until the wedding. Could not be alone before the wedding. Anybody else like this rule? Get away from my daughter. I like that. But regardless of whether or not you like it, that was the rule. And so I'm um, like, I, I've told my kids, like straight up, my kids, I got college, a couple in high school, a middle schooler. Like there's nobody of the opposite sex in your bedroom, period. Not my house. Right there. We just have all, there's rules that we have here because you're going to put yourself in a compromising situation. And for them, a betrothal was so important that that was considered as something legally binding between them. Now, all this matters, okay? And breaking off the betrothal required the bridegroom to write an official certificate of divorce to give to the girl and the father in the presence of witnesses, along with the sum of money. That's how important it was. And you're going, oh. So when it says that they were engaged and they, they were betrothed to one another, it's showing us the significance of that relationship. It was already well down the path to break it off would have been breaking legal, legalities that would have consequence. And so here, all of this is beginning with excitement, but then very quickly, it's like when you get that job, like, oh, I got the job promotion. Well, but you're gonna have to move. It's that times 25,000. Hey, you're engaged, but guess what? You're going to have a baby. And Joseph was a right, it tells us that he was a just man, a righteous man. ESV says just, NLT says righteous. It says that he was a righteous man, meaning he was going to obey the Torah, that for those, you're not near that person, you're not going to get anywhere close to them, like, right, you're not going to be alone with them. And so you're, you're going to make sure that you're doing everything the right way. That was the definition of Joseph by far. And he had plans to build a family with Mary, but then he hears this shocking news, Mary's pregnant. It's the first time they ever said in the Bible, oh, snap. Like, what just happened? Not the father. What a predicament. He's a righteous man betrothed to a young woman, Mary. And I even think about Joseph's family. Now, we don't know about Joseph's family, but I want you to, I want you to speak uh, or to think contextually. Man mattered a lot. Um, and who they married and it linked families together. And they very much came from an honor-shame culture. I speak about that somewhat regularly here. Um, we don't want the shame part where you just shame people because of previous mistakes, because we see others for who they can become in Christ, not who they are in themselves. We know God can redeem anyone from anything at any time. And so we celebrate that. But when you get rid of the honor-shame culture, I don't think we're supposed to get rid of the honor. 
Um, and we've certainly done that today, but here the shame was about to be made known. Joseph's family, his parents, I can only imagine knowing that culturally being righteous people, right? He would have come from that home, that family to now go away, but Mary's pregnant. I can't imagine Joseph having to go to mom and dad and say, hey, guys, by the way, I really love this woman, but she's pregnant. By you? What did you do? It ain't by me. What? So it's that predicament that Joseph is in. Right? Sometimes I, I, I go, what if my child came to me and told me something that would throw mud on our family? I mean, just in a very small context, I, I speak about this somewhat regularly with my kids because of things that people will say to them by, because of what I do. Oh, your dad's a preacher of that church? You guys love the Bible. I'm like, yeah, we do. I mean, it's just this, all this mud being thrown on the face on the lives of Joseph's family. Like how, do, how do you respond when sometimes your kids tell you something that you don't think is going to make you look as good? Like some of you even want your kids to have certain jobs because that makes you feel better about who your kids are. I have one goal for my kids, to live in the will of the glory of God. That's it. It's not, I don't, my goal, I don't pray for them to always be safe because I don't think you're going to be safe if you're a Christian. I don't pray for them to be, always be comfortable. I don't think you can be a Christian who's comfortable. I think you're going to be isolated according to the world. I, I have a one specific prayer. God, help my kids to sacrifice, surrender their life for your glory at all times. That's it. They know it. That's what I pray. Because otherwise we get caught up into this, this idea of, well, I want them to be able to be um, this person and have this type of job. Any job can be given to the glory of God. Oh, come on. And the shame that could have been brought, would have been, was brought upon Joseph's family was significant. But sometimes we're more concerned about the perception of others than a heart given to God. Well, what are they going to think? I don't really care what they think. Is it God's will? And so here's this life altering news of the Messiah, and it's accompanied with difficulty. Yes, the life altering, life shattering news of the Messiah was accompanied with worldly difficulty. And sometimes we don't want the difficulty. We don't want the temporary hardship, even though the, the news being shared about the Messiah is something that is eternal. We don't want that. And sometimes we can give more attention to the temporary difficulty than the life-altering news of Jesus Christ. And then we stomp our feet and say, well, this isn't fair. No, the life-altering news of Jesus brought difficulty. And so here's Joseph. The birth of Jesus took place in this way his mother Mary had been betrothed, had been engaged to be married to Joseph. Excitement, excitement. But before the marriage took place, that's the important part. Before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh-oh. What just happened? Now Joseph, it tells us, verse 19, 
to whom she was engaged was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. Joseph was a righteous man. It doesn't mean that he was sinless. It just simply meant that he, if you're righteous, if you strive to be righteous, it means that you're devoted to the will of God and to observe his, his law. That's what that meant for him, to observe the Torah, to walk humbly before God. And so the desire to be righteous often determines whether or not you're serving self or if you're, serve, if you're serving God. And he was a righteous individual. And, and let me remind you, um, he's probably about 16 years old, 17 years old. That's it. I have a kid who's 19. I, I started pre, I was preparing. I called him. I said, dude, you got to step it up. 16, 17 years old. And he has this desire to be righteous. The conundrum that Joseph had was this. Being righteous meant he didn't want to bring disgrace on Mary. That's, here's, you're about to see the conundrum. So he doesn't want to bring disgrace on Mary while at the same time, he desires to observe the Torah, to obey the, the law. And he's generally concerned, I think, about doing what was right according to God's law. And the Torah regards a betrothed girl who had consensual sexual relations with another man during that term of engagement as an adulteress. An adulteress was to be put to death, stoned, done. Did I mention the word conundrum? Here's the conundrum. Striving to be a just man, a righteous man. I think Joseph gets way too much or way too little attention. Because we need a lot more people like Joseph in this world today. Because he's generally concerned about doing the right thing. Deuteronomy told us, right, that he could issue a divorce and pay money, but he would bring right away a shame to Mary that he didn't want Mary to have on him. Deuteronomy 22, 13 through 29 tells us that he could have confessed that he wasn't the father, but again, it would have brought shame onto her and for the rest of her life, he could have lied, but then everybody would have lost the witness that we need with the birth of the Messiah. And so he couldn't lie because the reputations of everybody was at stake. And so his action was to take Mary as his wife. He was less concerned about his social standing than he was concerned about being obedient to the will of God. Can we please have some more people like that? Can we please have some more people willing to surrender social standing and willing to embrace the will of God? Because yes, sometimes eternal news has temporary difficulty. And he was willing to step into that. We need more Josephs out there, I can tell you. He's not concerned with his own shame, with his own embarrassment, but he is concerned with Mary. And I mean, I tell people all the time, if you want to be a spiritual leader today, I tell, man, you just got to learn to take, I always say the word kidney shots. You, just, you can't, listen, people are going to say things. It is what it is. Um, they may not know the whole story, but they just make assumptions. Today, we just like to talk rather than listen. And so I'm just like, okay, well, um, you just take a kidney shot. That's what you do. This is more than a kidney shot. I mean, this, 
This is significant. And he is wanting to make sure that he's protecting Mary. And in verse 19, it says, and so her husband Joseph, being a just man, righteous man, unwilling to put her to shame, right? Not only unwilling to put him to shame, but it's uh, put her to shame, but it, it also says not wanting to disgrace her publicly, not wanting to, disgra- to disgrace her publicly. He resolved to divorce her quietly. He made a decision. Like, how am I going to do this? What's going to happen here? You know, he's got so many voices in his ear right now. He's going to do this as best he can. So he is considering all of this. Tells us that, verse 20. He's considering all of this. So not being concerned with his own shame, but with Mary. He tells us, verse 19, not wanting to make a public example. He's trying to do the very best he can. One of the lessons we learn is what matters most are not the events or circumstances of your life, but your response to them. We say this type of thing all the time because it's in the word of God all the time. I can go to other people too. I go to Noah. Hey, I want you to build a boat in the middle of of dryness, in the middle of the desert. Can you build a boat? Well, it was his response to that news that we still speak about. Hey, how about some other people? How about someone like Moses? What we forget about Moses is he was raised in Egypt underneath the Pharaoh, and yet he leaves because of murdering uh, an Egyptian, but he leaves. And he has 40 years with Jethro, his father-in-law, and with his family, and he has rest and peace. And then God says, I want you to go back. And he's like, no, (laughs) no, but he has to go back. I compare Joseph in that line, and here's this guy who wasn't a part of his engaged woman to be pregnant, and yet here he is willing to do the godly anyway. His entire family would have had human humiliation, and sometimes I think that human humiliation can derail God's plan in our life more than anything else. We care about how we're viewed by others more than how we are painting a picture of God. You know what I'm talking about here. But what, what are they going to think? I don't care. I am so grateful that people like Moses and Abraham and Daniel and Joseph cared more about giving God glory than they cared about what others would say. What if you only made decisions in your life based on you knowing it was the will of God rather than being based on what others might speak about, what they might post about, what they may take a picture of and put on social media? Yeah, but social media will live forever. So will you before the Almighty. And so Joseph is here more concerned with God's plan rather than his own, willing to step into the messy rather than cling to easy. He's given this huge responsibility, and it is a huge responsibility, not only to make sure that he's protecting Mary, but to then even raise a child and to teach him a trade of carpentry, which really probably means masonry. And yet there he is fulfilling his responsibility in the coming of the king. And he's willing to step into the messy. What's the messy that God is wanting you to embrace? We end up stepping away so often from the will of God because we prefer the organized 
over the will of God. We prefer the nice and the neat over the will of God. We prefer the logical over the godly at times. We can prefer the known over the unknown. And Joseph would have walked through this process. His family would have walked through this process. Mary certainly would have been there as well. And they were going, what's going on? But we have to agree to this because we know it's the will of God. And so here comes Joseph in verse 20. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Now, can I go ahead and acknowledge something? Um, Sometimes um, we assume that, oh, I heard somebody recently say, well, yeah, but Joseph had an angel appear to him. All of this happened. Everything I'm talking to you about happened before an angel showed up. Oh, it would have been easy for me, too, if an angel would have appeared. Actually, one, I don't think it would be. Because then we would justify that away as being it's still going to be too hard. And all of these things happened, and the angel has not shown up yet. That tells you the type of young man he is. Just sit in that for a moment. Angel hasn't shown up. He is that much of a, of a just, righteous man that he's like, I do not want to embarrass, embarrass her. How do I do this? That's going to trump my family and social status. It's, going to, it's just going to hurt, but it, it is what it is. How do I do this? That's what he's considering. He's not allowing the social inconveniences and the social slander and the social mentality of the time determine his willingness to be obedient to God. And some of us need to hear that. You're making decisions. We can all make decisions based on what someone else may think, say, or do rather than the will of God. And as you make and determine the decision that you're going to to have in your life, what you're really doing is revealing the place that Jesus has in your heart. There's the difference. So he's thinking about these things. And behold, an angel of the Lord appears to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now, if I'm Joseph, right away, angel appears to me, and I hear all this, and I'm like, okay, don't be afraid. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm still not comprehending this woman in my life who I love so much. is going to have a baby, but from the Holy Spirit. And then my first comment to the angel would be like, okay, you got to go tell everybody else. Right? Can, can you go tell my mom and my dad? Can you go tell my family? Can you go tell all my friends that, that this is what's happening? Because they're going to think I'm just flat out crazy. But the angel appears to him, and this is what takes place, and says, but as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And it underscores the miraculous birth that is here, the virgin birth. And awakened in this dream, it calls him out, son of David. He's told, don't be afraid. 
It provides divine assurance to Joseph and to us that Jesus has the legitimate royal lineage that allows him to be that descendant of David, which was important, of, of Abraham as well. And so he's considering this. He's thinking about this. He's reflecting about everything that's taken place. He's processing the unexpected carefully. Friends, being righteous, and maybe this is the big lesson for us, is being righteous before God implies belief in God that impacts behavior. Being righteous before God implies belief in God, faith in God that impacts our behavior. What impacts your behavior more than anything else? What, what, what is it for you? Is it the opinion of others? What impacts behavior more than anything else for you? Some of you need to hear and to be reminded that God is wanting to do something wonderful in your life. And he's telling you, don't be afraid. I know you've got family that's going to think you're crazy. It's okay. I got you. Or I know that I'm asking for you to do something radical and significant in your life and that your friends are going to think that you're just like, you just lost it. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Some of you, men and women who aren't married, you're going to go, man, the world's going, man, you get to live together and have sex together and do all this and trial. You can do a trial run of marriage. And you're going to go, no, I don't, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to save myself. I'm going to be righteous before God. And if, if, you're, if your significant other says, I don't like that, get a new significant other. Oh, you just got real. Some of you are going to go to someone you work with and say, like, can, can you just bring it back? Like, you just keep using the Lord's name in vain so much. That's my God. I know he may not be your God, but he's my God. Well, it shouldn't matter to you. Well, I'm just going to, what's your mom's name? They're going to say Barbie. You're just going to start using her name as a cuss word. And they're going to get upset. You're like, well, how about you doing that to my king? say, oh my God, you better be knowing that you are calling on God, the King of Kings who gave his son, Jesus Christ. And yet here's Joseph saying, you know what? I'm going to submit myself to the will of God for his glory. I don't care what kind of shame. I don't care the embarrassment. I don't care the social status. I care about the will of God. We need more Josephs. Please, can we have more Josephs? Our goal isn't to plan our life as much as it is is to be righteous in the living of our life. I mean, some of us, we can be so derailed so quick because we got all of our plans. 
This is how we're going to do everything. This is how I want everything to go. I want, the, I, when, I, when I'm this old, I'm going to get out of high school and then college. I want to have this degree and I want to be able to go to, I wanna, I'm going to work in this place and this is where I'm going to live and it's going to be great. And all of you young people are going to be like, I'm out of here. I'm getting out of Michigan. But by the time you're 25, you're going to go, all my family's there. So you're going to move back to Michigan. And then all of a sudden you're going to go up, but it's cold here. So then maybe you can get a place somewhere else, which would be great. And then all of these arrangements and you're going to have your pension and at the age of 50, you're going to be able to retire and get a different job, have a pension, have this, and you've got all your plans. Maybe how about this? What is God's will to give him glory at all times? And your mom and dad were like, that's not good enough. That doesn't matter. I mean, I've literally, I've had young people come to me and said, hey, I want to go into ministry, but how do I do that? Because my parents don't want me to. And so how do I do it so that I can have a backup plan? Really? That's what we think of God? So instead of just being obedient to the will of God, we have to say, well, God, I'll be obedient as long as I have a solid backup plan. Oh, ye of little faith. We need more Josephs. Amen. We need more Josephs. fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins and by far one of my favorite parts and to mess up next week's sermon that we'll, we'll do next week is, is Matthew chapter 1 verse 24 where it just says this Jesus woke up, angel come, or, or the Lord comes before him, and here comes, and like, hey, don't be afraid. And he wakes up, and he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. Took Mary as his wife. The right thing, the godly determined his life nothing else nothing else nothing else he surrenders to the will of God maybe, maybe the best way to think about it is like this what does the announcement of the king what does that mean for the rest of your life and the decisions that you're needing to make God is asking some of you to make some significant decisions. Are you allowing the right things to determine your answer? Messiah, Jesus, the one who saves, Yeshua, Joshua has come. Emmanuel, God with us. What is your response to the announcement of the king? So, Lord, I come before you, ask that you would 
led us as brothers and sisters in Christ to appropriately respond to the announcement of Jesus, to appropriately respond to the announcement that Messiah has come. And God, I know that sometimes embracing you for eternity can have difficult consequences in the temporary, but God, may we be willing to step into those difficulties socially and with family and friends, whatever it might mean for us. May we be willing to embrace that in order to be obedient to the will of God, the glory of God, the purpose of God. God, lift us up. May we see more Josephs. And may we give you glory. 